You are listening to the sermons of the late Pastor Frank Hampton Jr., who pastored the Church of God in Jackson, Michigan from 1963 to 2018. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Hampton or the Church of God, please visit our website at www.churchofgodjackson.com. Again, that's www.churchofgodjackson.com. We hope you enjoy the message. God bless. You may be seated. I'd like to direct your attention this evening to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. We'll begin our reading at verse number 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and our trust also are made manifest in your consciences. The latter portion of verse number 10. That everyone may receive the thing done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Our thought tonight is zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. The definition for the word tolerance, allowances for varying from standards, allowing allowances for varying from standards, zero tolerance. Let's, let's see if we can get the tenor of what Paul is uh, presenting here. He was writing, of course, to the church, church at Corinth, and uh, these people were generally saved. And he said, we are laboring, nonetheless, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, that's the death blow to a false doctrine. There are those who teach you that if God ever accepted you, you are necessarily accepted thereafter. If you're saved, there's nothing you can do uh, that could negate your salvation. But Paul is teaching something entirely different here. He is saying that we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted. We may be. We might or might not be accepted of him. So we are putting forth a diligent effort that we might be. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every last one of us without exception. That every man may receive the thing done in his body according to that he has done, whether good or bad. Now here. Salvation is a many-faceted thing. There are phases here, and we need to keep them in the right perspective. All right. Now, toleration. The reason that this religious world is not stirred in their present woeful position is because they are expecting God to extend his tolerance through the judgment. You follow me closely tonight. They are ex 
expecting God to extend his tolerance to the judgment. Now we know that God does tolerate people, and, he, and he's tolerating many of us here tonight. But if one of those lightning flashes happened to be Jesus coming, there'll be no more toleration. You understand that? So whatever your plight be, you will be judged accordingly. And now there'll be no variation, there'll be no toleration whatsoever. A story, a very touching story once I heard. A young man who had gotten in constant trouble and difficulty, and he had a lawyer who would uh, free him uh, out, argue the jury, or whatever the case might be, the prosecutor, and would get him free. So finally, this lawyer or attorney was promoted to judge. So when he came back uh, before the courts, after having done something, when he looked up and he saw this attorney who was now judge, who had represented him in time past, he looked gleeful. And he was expecting uh, some tolerance here because he had pleaded before. He said, well, I was your attorney then, but I'm your judge now. Jesus is our attorney now, but God help us here. And he's tolerating, he's pleading, he's interceding. He's extending himself. But ere long, he's going to be our judge. And he will be in an entirely different position. Now, in, on the judgment seat, he is judging with justice and exactness. Now, he's tolerating, hoping that perhaps something somewhere along the way might get you clear if it needs you or not. There's a gross danger in every false doctrine. Now, you might take it lightly, but uh, false doctrine cannot be tolerated. Even though it might seem only to vary to one, uh, one degree. Now, uh, just the other day, and on more than one occasion, I attended a funeral, and the priest or whomever was praying for mercy extended for this dead person's soul, hoping that his prayer would prevail and cause God to deal with him with leniency in the judgment. In other words, another chance after he dies. That might sound, uh, that might sound uh, uh, good and, and, uh, and, and, and plausible, but that's detrimental. For a person to feel that there will be some extended mercy beyond their dying breath is a damnable doctrine. And will give you a false hope that you don't deserve. Amen. So Paul here is saying that there'll be no consideration given in the judgment. There are, that's now, now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of consideration. You understand that? So, but let's not confuse it. Now, uh, there's one instance after another in the Bible that brings this to focus. And we want to study in the word of God. Now, the judgment is given to the Son, to Jesus. The Bible says, He that rejected me and receiveth not my words, have one that will judge him in the last days. And Jesus said, The word that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last days. Now, let me show you why. The reason that the judgment is given to the Son, of Jesus, is because he's going to judge us according to his word. And he knows, only he knows what was meant when he said it. We can wrangle with doctrine. We can dilute it. We can reverse it. Uh, revise it. Do whatever we will. But finally we're coming before Jesus who wrote it, who knows what he had in mind when he wrote it. There won't be no squabbling over doctrine in the judgment. There won't be no tossing to and fro and, and extensions. Jesus is going to judge us according to what he meant when he wrote it. Amen? Now, if we have a wrong concept, we're in trouble. If somehow, I mean, we get a, a wrong interpretation of the gospel of Jesus, we're in serious trouble. So the judgment is left to Jesus because only he knows 
when he taught all of the doctrines in the Bible, he knows what he had in mind. And God help us that we don't know. God help us that we get it wrong because we've got to go before him. It's the Lord, I read this, he said, but you should have got it right. He said, now you had the spirit to direct you. But you, 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 you uh, gave some kind of credence to the flesh because you chose uh, an easier way. The judgment is left to the son. And there'll be no tolerance in the judgment. Not, there's tolerance now. Jesus is in an intercessory position now. You understand that? So there, there's intolerance. And even uh, in some stages uh, of mankind, because he says now, it has been said by them of old, there was toleration and for retaliation. He tolerates that because of the hardness of your heart. He tolerates some things, but not now. Get this, you one. In the judgment, amen, he will not deal with toleration. Or the hardness of your heart. A darkness, a blindness, an imperception. He's going to deal with you as it is. Amen. God help us here. Now, we are living in the time of preliminary judgment. Right, just before the coming of Christ. There's a period of preliminary judgment. When the judgments of God are to come just exactly like Jesus meant it. So by the time we get to the judgment, we'll be already judged. The word of God is going to judge us. The true word of God is going to judge us before we get before Jesus. And we are just as judged as we'll be a million years from today. This gospel under the anointing, amen, with the right interpretation from God is just as binding as it will, and definite as it will be in the day when you stand before God in the eternity. It cannot be abrogated. It cannot be revised. Amen. So now, that's why the ministry has such an awesome responsibility to teach it in its fullness and, and right, despite. Why? Because Jesus is going to judge it, right? That's why. So don't, don't you think this? Now, we have denominations who feel that because they are, I have a certain little pet scruples and doctrines, amen, and, and because they are sincere, that God will judge them according to their idea, their scruples, their doctrine, their slant on the scripture. That's not so. There'll be only one standard of judgment. There'll be one standard of judgment. And God help us if we miscalculate and misjudge. It'll be an eternal one. Amen. The judgment left to the sun. There'll be, there'll be zero tolerance. We've got to get it right. We can't be wrong. We can't be wrong. And we don't determine what's essential and what's not essential. Amen. How they drink water was essential when they were choosing, amen, the army to fight this most critical battle. Amen. It was all essential. In fact, it would determine whether they'd be accepted or not. So may God help us here. He said, let us, let us labor that we might be what accepted of him. Amen. Let us put forth every effort, in fact, strenuous effort, that we might be accepted of him. We take nothing for granted here. We are sitting, my God, in an awesome spot here this, not tonight. We are sitting in the preliminary judgment of God. And may God awaken our hearts and sit, we might sit and, and realize it in a full measure. Now, there comes a time when forbearance is no longer a virtue. You understand that? Now, we, the long-suffering, forbearance, and this kind of thing, uh, is perhaps the most amiable virtue. But there comes a time when forbearance is no longer virtue. God, in his glory now, he forbears, or he has done it. But then it will not be virtuous because it would conflict with judgment. You understand? Now, see, mercy does not conflict with judgment. See, see God, there are several uh, aspects to God's character. You understand? Now, and one of the aspects is justice. So he'll have to deal with us justly, according to, the, to his own divine law. So God help us, my God, that we'll labor, amen, to render people acceptable before God. Now, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3, verse number 18. 
For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now let us, let us uh, hesitate for a moment here, because here's another Here's another scripture that's stumbled over and detrimental to many who uh, misconceive it. There are those who feel that Christ uh, goes and gives people a second chance, or those who were lost in the antediluvian world will give them a second chance. That's not so. Now listen to what the word of God. It was the spirit of Christ preaching through Noah. When we preach under the unction of the Holy Ghost, it's the same as Christ. Christ preaching through us. Amen. And it is just as binding. So the spirit of Christ was preaching through Noah for those 120 years. That's when Christ went and preached to the antediluvians. Amen. There won't be a second time. There won't be another time around. Amen. That's why here tonight, dear one, that's why we need to get before God and make sure we got an anointing from God so when we speak, we will speak with the authority of Christ and the same as Christ speaking. Read a little more. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few. All right, now you listen here. These 120 years were times of forbearance. But when judgment came, only those who were absolutely right were saved. You understand? Now, let me, let's turn back to the narrative itself, back in Genesis chapter 6, if you will. Genesis chapter, uh, before, let us uh, read 7, 1, before we read 6. The Lord said to Noah, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou, and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I found righteous before me in this generation. Listen. What about the thousands, the millions, that was preached to and just a moment, they were not profligates, they were, they were not gutter dwellers. Read chapter 6, verse number 1. It came to pass, when men began to multiply, what? On the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. The who? The other question. The other question, what happened to the sons of God? The church people, those who were regarded as the most religious, in fact, even termed as the sons of God, what happened to them in the flood? What happened to the sons of God, those who were deeply religious, those who had the, the greatest spiritual title, what happened to them? What's going to happen to those who profess to be the sons of God today? Why was Noah, how did Noah condemn the world? Well, I'll show you how. The Bible said Noah condemned the world. He didn't just say you're condemned. That's not the way he did it. Okay, let's, let's read. Chapter number six, and I want verse uh, number seven, I believe it is. Now, let, let's uh, expedite here. Verse number eight. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Thank God and perfect in his generation. God found Noah righteous. And everybody that was not perfect drowned. 
Uh, of course, his household. We know that they don't know represented his household. During that day, the head of the house represented the entire household. Everybody else drowned. Why? Because there was no toleration. He tolerated for 120 years now. They were church members, deacons, and what happened to his choir members? What happened to his trustees? <laughs> they were functioning as people are today and maybe shouting high like you were tonight. 120 years they were tolerated. But there was zero tolerance in the judgment. He said, oh no, you, you, you'll be perfect. Get on this boat. There'll be no toleration at all. Let me tell you this, children. It is utterly and eternally detrimental to make an allowance that God doesn't make. This is a, it's a tough situation here we're dealing with. All these temper tantrums. That's why people change their doctrine. What? They will not get out of the business and get a real experience, so they get a doctrine to fit their experience. They said, old man can never die, he can't crucify, and then they make allowance for the old man to live on. That's a detrimental doctrine. There's nothing virtuous about that doctrine at all. Noah, the word of God says he was perfect and just. And he judged the world by proving that you can live perfect. And if one man can live perfect, everybody has to live perfect. If there's one man on earth that lives perfect, everybody else has to live perfect to be accepted. That's God's standard. And that's God's inalienable standard. That's it. Well, okay, I'm a prove you. Just listen to me. Let me reason with you just for a moment. All right then. If God indeed would accept anybody less than perfection, how much less? If he, if he lets me by my fault, he'll let you, have to let you by with yours. Apologize to those that he didn't. If God accepts anything less than perfection, who determines how much less than perfection? Who determined it? Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian? One of the elements of the church of God? Who will determine it? What will be the criterion if it's not perfection? That's why you got to be absolutely right. Because there's nothing between right and debauchery that can be that can determine. Whose standard are you going by? Go by God's standard. That's what he did in the, in the judgment. And every instance, every instance where God pronounced definite judgment, it was on the same basis and according to the same standard. Came down with Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham said, Lord, will you destroy And we were, yet without sin, the Bible, he was tempted in every part. That was not mockery. That was not mockery. Amen. That was, those were real temptations to a real man and had real effect on him. And he resisted it in a real way by the same power that's available to you. It was the same, the self same Holy Ghost that enabled Jesus to resist temptation that's available to every last one of you. That, that no five or six Holy Ghost. I think some people think Jesus has something that was uh, extraterrestrial, something that, that's uh, unavailable to us. But that's the only one. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead was quick our mortal body, the Bible says. The same spirit that kept Jesus walking above these circumstances or living perfect and upright the Bible says he was our example to, to, to create an example that we are incapable of following with to be unjust. I got a little boy three years old. And I'll get a couple of hundred pound weights and walk across the floor. I want you, I want you to follow my example. Well, it would be ridiculous to set a standard that he's incapable of coming up to. Well, if Jesus said, walk in my footsteps, and then you can't do it, going to punish you for not doing what you're incapable of doing? No. He told us, that he, and the Bible goes on to say he did, and the example was this. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And you know the perfect church in Revelation, the same thing. 
they were without guile. Not only without sin, but without guile. The Philadelphia church. Read it, read it, read it. Not now. Jot it down and read when you go home. The same, the self-same standard. The Bible says you'll come where? Ye are come unto Mount Zion. The city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Well, then listen. Do you know what is your objective? What is your assignment? Your assignment as a Mount Zion church of God is this. To perfect men's spirits for the judgment. That's, that's our whole operation. That's our entire obligation. That's our assignment. That's what we're dedicated to. What? Perfecting men's spirit. I don't mean some continuous or uh, endless quest. I mean there's a spirit of perfection. There's, 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 a, there's a standard of perfection that you can reach that's reachable and obtainable. Everybody teaches perfection in a measure. We, we, we just don't get off here either. Now, the Baptist teaches perfection. Oh, yes, they do too. I've seen that the, their, their theology uh, and, and their doctrinal papers. They teach it, but they teach it as an endless quest. You are forever striving, but Paul said, let us go on to perfection. I mean, there's a destination. There's a destination that's reachable and livable. And it's not an option. And that's what Mount Zion is all about. We're boasting about Mount Zion Church because we got a few uh, prophecies and this and that and the other. That doesn't make us a Mount Zion Church. I don't care what your doctrine might be, what your prophecy might be. That does not make you a Mount Zion Church because you know about Mount Zion. It makes you Mount Zion because you have the capability of perfecting men's spirit. Because you have a spirit in you. You have the Holy Ghost in you to such an extent that you can, uh, there's something emanating from you that can perfect the spirit of those that you come in contact with and set under your tutelage. That's why if they had no inspiration, you better run for your life. Because most churches have so dead and so far from it that they don't have the wherewithal. Because you, they can't say such as I have, give I thee. It's not a certain set of words you say, brother, but it's what you actually have that are uh, to, to transmit. You must have something in you to transmit perfection. You get it from God. By a perfect consecration. And in return for your consecration, God gives you that anointing and that power and that spirit to transmit to others and build them up to perfection and present them faultless before God. You come to Mount Zion. That's how you determine Mount Zion, not because you are worshiping with a certain group of people at a certain place or a certain location and teach a certain doctrine. That doesn't make you Mount Zion. I don't care how correct it might be. Your capability of perfecting a person's spirit So that you won't have that no impatient spirit and manifest it at the slightest provocation. Mount Zion eradicates that. You have perfect patience. Why you won't have those temper tantrums anymore. And you won't even feel that heat rising up in you anymore. That's what Mount Zion is all about. Some people somehow have learned to curtail it externally, but they still have that internal struggle. There's still a war, there's still a tug going on on the inside. And sometimes it's manifested mildly and sometimes they are able to subdue it, but it's there. And that disqualifies you, the, its presence. Not necessarily its gross manifestation. Come to Mount, that, but that's what Mount Zion is all about. Getting before God and getting something to perfect these, these children coming out of the world here. And never make it to first base, why? Because there's nobody that can perfect their spirit. And since they don't get a perfect spirit, it pulls them right back to where they were. They might stay around the church, but they die. They die in infancy. They die in infancy. What? Nobody to take them on to perfection. Nobody to take them on to perfection. See, saying go on to perfection and you can't take them is it's it's wicked. Preaching a doctrine of perfection and don't have the ability to take them to perfection is wicked, grossly wicked. I'm going to cram perfection down your throat and don't have the wherewithal to take you to it. Gonna leave you frustrated and maybe despairing. Read. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn are written in heaven. And we're not, and we he's not getting hung up with a church name here either. He's talking about something beyond a church name. He called it here the church of the firstborn. 
So we're not, we're not, we're not hung up with a church name here. We're going beyond that, children. We're not, being, we're not using no technicalities here. We're talking about something far beyond technicalities tonight. The church of the firstborn. What? Whose name is written in heaven? And God, the judge of all. The God, the judge of all. And to the spirit. Listen, listen, listen. When you stand before God, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the thunder before the, 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 the soul and the spirit. Listen, when you stand before God, your very spirit will be penetrated and, and will, uh, there will be an x-ray taken of your spirit. And any flaw will be detectable. Any flaw. Any speck of impatience. And get this is the situation. But any flaw would disqualify you altogether. We had a sister who worked at a baby milk factory. You might have heard me say this before. And uh, they had those maybe two or three or four or five hundred gallon vats. And they would inspect them. And sometimes they might, in their inspection, they would see uh, maybe uh, like a flash. They would condemn the entire vat. They wouldn't take a dipper and dip out the contamination, but they write an X through it. What? That speck represented the entire vat. A blight in your spirit represents your entire spirit. We got a lot of Babylonian ideas, right? Yeah, I need help in, in this area. Well, that's wonderful. But I, I, I'd like to know the nature of your health. If you're talking about contamination, you've got a problem that, that's maybe a little more serious than you think. You come to Mount Zion where the spirits of just men are made perfect. Now, we understand this. They have to be perfected. But now, when you give us some endless quest here, on and on and on and on and on, I'm not perfected yet, 15 years later, like uh, Doug Oldham and his old dad and, and the grandson, you say, God is not through with me yet. How he goes? He's still working on me. And, and old Dale Oldham, 80-something years old, he's still working on me. We got to get through with you sometime. Somewhere along the way. God help us. And I trust he does it before Jesus comes because he's going to judge you just as he finds you if you're incomplete, half done, whatever the case might be. Now listen. Turn to Revelation 3. A very familiar passage. We teach us on it all the time, make a hobby horse out of it, but let's turn to it again tonight. Revelation chapter 3, and I want verse number, verse number, maybe, let's, I don't want to do any excessive reading tonight. Maybe, now I won't go beyond 14. I want to go, let me see, verse number. Uh, all right, give me 15. I know thy works. Excuse <clears throat> me. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Next verse. Because thou say what? And increase with good. Wait a minute. You know what he's Listen. Listen. He said, you're not right, but because I tolerated you, you've become conceited and self-righteous. Many people think because God just smite them on the spot, they're doing, God can tolerate you as long as he wishes to. But if you die, you'll be lost. He tolerates you, hoping you'll get better. But if you die, you will judge you as you are. You understand that? So do not take toleration in this life to indicate he's going to tolerate you in the judgment if you're not just right. He'll tolerate you now hoping that the gospel will bring you out. That you'll pray through and, and break some of these spirits and get perfected. But if you die, you're going to be judged just as you are. There won't be no, there will be no toleration. There will be zero toleration. Zero tolerance. Absolutely not. He, that's the only standard he has. And, uh, and it's not unique. It's, it's for all of us. Zero tolerance. You know, now that's why, that's why we spend so much time with you. You come and you tell us your fault, we'll pray with you and try to get you victory. Why? Because uh, maybe God tolerating you right now. But I'm going to show you something. Show you something. There was a time of toleration 
But you notice how the letter reads. Either because you're lukewarm, or I'm going to judge you. I'm going to emit you. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. No toleration anymore. Not tolerating for all these years, hoping that the gospel would bring you out. But now, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to deal with you just as you are. But you have deceived yourself by your good points, your strong points. And because I didn't just deal with you in finality, you thought that you were all right. It's true. I'm rich. I'm increasing good. You know why you thought that? Because God didn't just cut them off as soon as he sensed that fault among them. He, 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 he tolerated them. He dealt with you. But now, but they made an eternal miscalculation because they thought because he was tolerating him in a lukewarm condition, he would just do it indefinitely. Or he would tolerate him in the judgment. But they said, oh no, I'm going to emit you. He tolerated Ephesus when she left her first love, didn't he? Sure he did. He put him on probation, but he tolerated him. But he said, but now he said, but when I judge you, I'm going to judge you as you are. That's it. I move the candlestick. It's all over there. Now, don't you uh, uh, get a, a misconception here because I've tolerated you to this point that if I judge you, there'll still be some extension. No, no. There are those tonight that God doubtless have tol tolerated you because you got bad tempers, can't control your tongues, still guilty of passionate stares, and you feel all right because God has not just obliterated you. But now, if God calls you into judgment tonight, it won't be the same. There'll be no tolerance then. None. Now, I don't care about your position in church and, 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 and how highly you regard it. That means absolutely nothing. If you're called tonight, you're going to be judged as you are. Not by what you hope to be. Not by because God tolerated you for 15 years. So we don't miss, let's not mistake toleration for judgment here. They're the, they're the world of difference. So we, we, we need to consider this tonight, dear one, because people have gotten relaxed. You know why they got relaxed? Because they felt, because God was tolerating them, that they would necessarily make it in the judgment if he should call them. And they'd got, they'd, their eyes had become blind, totally blind. There was a blindness there, blind and naked, the Bible says. They, they didn't have their garments on anymore. But he said, all right. I, then that came a time he did squeeze them out. Why, he did, that's when he judged them. There was, no, there was no more tolerance. He judged them as they were and for what they were about. And when they wake up in the judgment, it's going to be the same thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 26. We don't want to be excessive at all. Like God, when God gets through, I'm through. Come on with it. Uh, back up one verse. We're not preaching on this, but we want to. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it. He might sanctify and cleanse it. All right, listen. Listen closely to what is to follow. Go on. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, now you listen, listen. He said, now uh, he's tolerating you. Church, and he's washing you. He's not talking about washing sinners here. He's talking about washing the church. What? Because at, they had accumulated some things that could not be accepted in the judgment. Re watch the scriptures. They had accumulated some things. But people feel that because God does not speedily cut them off, that God will... If they should die and get a good funeral, they'll wake up in heaven. But not, that's not so. This church was not ready to be presented to God. They were not ready. So he said, by the washing of water by the word. That's what we're trying to do tonight. What? That I might make a proper presentation. You're not ready for me to present you. Yes, you're a church of God. You got the right name and even right doctrine, but you're not ready to be presented to God. God is tolerating you so the word might have an effect on you, but if he calls you tonight, you're done. So don't think that you can hide safely in the confines of a good group of people and be necessarily accepted of God if you go tonight. That's the difference. Yes, 
There's tolerance now. That's why you need to take advantage of it. There is tolerance now. In some instances, some might have uh, exhausted your tolerance. I don't know. But brother, if Jesus split the clouds at night and we stand before him, we're going to stand before him just as we are, not as we wish to be, not as we think we are, but just as we are in actuality. And you will see your life just like you lived it. You will, listen, you really will judge your own self in the judgment. Do you know why? God going to flash your life in instant replay and you're going to see yourself and your, all your activities and even your very spirit. And you'll drop your own head. God don't have to pronounce no word. You're going to say it yourself. He's going to show it to you and you'll do it yourself. He will give an instant replay. If you have any doubt, you see right there? You know in the ball games and whatnot, when they have what they call instant replay and uh, when they miss the base or something, I understand, they would uh, turn back to that particular play and see he missed the base. So that's how they settle arguments sometimes in suits and all this kind of thing. God's going to give you an instant replay. You see everybody see that in your spirit? Yes, that's why you can't make it. That's why you reject it. See there? You see that impatience? You manifested it. It was already there, but you actually manifested it. That was lust. That was not, that was not admiration. You, 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 you gave it a pet name. And everybody had a virtuous name for their characteristic vices. You're not going to do a proper analysis. There, 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 is no, there, is, there is no way around it. And, uh, and getting your, your chief counsel to uh, compromise with you and say, oh, God, no, we're just human, and that's just humanity and all this kind of thing. That's why so many doctrines have been perverted. I can remember when one of the most outstanding Church of God ministers in the Reformation perverted a doctrine and took a whole movement almost out of here. Uh, he was dealing with the doctrine of sanctification or the experience itself. And he had some manifestations that troubled him. And he had been before God. And I remember it distinctly more than 40 years ago. And he would sense a uh, manifestation. And uh, rather than call it the old man, as he knew it was, he said, you know, I used to feel when I had certain kind of reactions, uh, I questioned my sanctification. But I decided they're just human. In other words, you do that because that, that's common to all humans. And so then people, wait a minute. Mine is human too. Mine and mine and mine and mine. So then all your flaws and all your uh, fleshy manifestations, that's just humanity. And that's common to all humans. So we don't expect to... And, and, and let me tell you this too. And here's, here's another phase that I heard some more modern teachers deal with that you've you, you got to be right about this. They said, what do you do when that spirit rises up? I mean, these are some of the chief sanctification preachers. They keep it under. That is as false as it can be. You keep your body under, not your spirit. What? Because we're going to have our human tendencies as long as we live. I'm going to have an appetite that can run rampant any time. I got passion that can get loose. I don't care how sanctified I am. God doesn't make me uh, a robot. I still have passion. I still have appetite and can be abused. I can go beyond the mark. That's what I'm going to keep under. But now that you crucify this old man, you don't keep him under. You crucify him. And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you this, children. Let me tell you this. Those who oppose us two works. Let me tell you something. The first work of the birth, you're born. And the second work of the crucifixion, you're not born and crucified at the same time. The two distinct operations. And that's unquestionable. Might present it to be accepted, the Bible says, it must be without blemish. What Christ presents to God, the word of God. Read it, let's read it, let's read it. That gives more uh, credibility to it. Go on with it. Might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish, without fault. Or God won't tolerate it. God will not accept it. I'll hand it to him and he'll reject it. He's, 
It had to be of a certain character. It had to be of a certain character. And he, when he preached about the church, he's not talking about some mystic, something out of space. He's talking about you and you and you and you and me. He's not talking about something mystic or something way out there, in, inexplicable. He is talking about people. In fact, he's talking about you in particular. Do you want to let me tell you this? When we come before God, we should come for self-examination. Like, this is not a mutual admiration society. We pat everybody on the back and tell how holy you are. We come to examine ourselves. That's what Paul said. And he was talking to the best people of his day. He was talking to the very best people of his day. When he said, examine yourself. Why? And know your own self. That's why. So you know yourself. And you can deal honestly with it. And eternally with it. And justly with it. Many people don't seek help because they don't know themselves. And they don't recognize their real plight. So they see no need for help. They don't seek help because they don't think they need it. That's why Laodicea didn't want help. They didn't think they needed it. But they were in the worst kind of condition. They thought they didn't need it because they had so many good points. Because they were so moral and had so many other things going for them spiritually. They thought they needed no help and they said it. They, they testified to it. I'll have need of nothing. I'm already all right, despite a letter from God. I don't care how specific God is and, and, and how emphatic he is. If you've got a self-righteous spirit, God can show you what he wants. Write your letter. And you're still rejected in preference to your own ideas and whims. I'm going to tell you, children, if you don't get victory, after a while you'll begin to excuse it and call your flaws and your blemishes by another name. That's what you'll do. That, I've seen it down through the years for the last 50 years. I've seen people seek perfection, and after a while they didn't accomplish it. And after a while, they left off their quest and began to call those flaws and shortcomings by another name and learn to live with it. And learn to live with it. And of course, the church tolerates those shortcomings and say, well, you know, he's working on it. Uh, whatever the case might be, we find a way to tolerate it. And they feel because the church tolerated God, going to tolerate the judgment. That's too bad. In the book, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, we're coming to a conclusion quickly. That he might present it to himself. Now listen, here. In the book of Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, quickly. Let us be glad, Let us be glad and give honor to him. The marriage of the Lamb is come. All right. The bride has made herself ready. Well, she's a bride. She should be already ready, shouldn't she? That's wishful thinking. The bride has made, has made a process. In this last day, contamination has crept in. And God knows we can see it. Unacceptable standards have crept in. Unacceptable doctrine has crept in. And through the washing of the water by the word, my God, amen, it has been cleansed. And now, at long last, the bride has made herself ready. How? Through the washing of water by the word. We're not going to pat you on the back thing, God. We're going to wash you. Amen. If you're clean, there'll all be some, something left in the bath water, some dirt. Amen. Come out of water, wash away sin. Water don't wash away dirt. <laughs> Had to put some, some, put some tide in it. Amen. The bride has made herself ready. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. Make you ready and to present you faultless. That's our endeavor. We're not here to play a game here, have a, a, a good social time, and oh, we had a good meeting. Oh, no, it's more than that. We have a much greater and dire objective than that. We have my God to get the bride ready so we can make that announcement. You ever seen a wedding director? All right, on with the wedding. The bride's ready. Then the ceremony begins. In most instances, it's not on time. But in this case, we trust it is. Amen, 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 amen. 
God not coming to fix up your spirit and make you patient and long-suffering and sweet and virtuous. He's not coming for that. He's coming to judge you. He's in the church now to do that. He's walking among the candlesticks now to do that. So I hope you're not deferring getting the help you need until some future time, which might or might not be, and certainly not as a judgment. You know, my precious mother, uh, in Baptist church for years, and when I got saved, I went home and I talked to her. See, this adopting is, it means all, everything in the world. So in my attempt to uh, show her the necessity of holiness, uh, I said, Mama, if Jesus had split the clouds right now, what would you do? Oh, I'd ask him to forgive me for my sins. I said, honey, you wouldn't have time. He's not coming to forgive you. He's coming to judge you. But she actually felt that God would extend mercy when he comes, and she said, she said, I'm coming in there and said, forgive me, and that would take care of her situation. Well, we might, we might decry that kind of thinking, but I think most of us in a measure think the same thing. By own admission, you know, I know I'm sure that's just what the devil wants you. And let me tell you this, children. Things that you overlook now, you'll see it on your deathbed. I have been, I have been beside many dying souls that called me day and night. And I stood there and held until they took their last breath. And I've seen them who had lived with situations for years in Hampton. What about this situation? What should I do about it? At a moment when life is ebbing from that. Don't you know, a minister is in a, in a, 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 a grave position. And you've got to try to make a decision for a dying man here. And it's a great big uh, 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 explosive situation could develop from it and, and all kind of things. But you've got to tell him, well, see, then you can't be wrong. This soul is going off in eternity. And you give him wrong advice and cost him his soul. What should I do about my situation? I have question marks about it. Maybe, suppose I might have patted him on the back all three years. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. God understands, God understands. But when you come before the judgment, brother, it's going to be real to him. You're going to see it as it is. God help us here. God help us here. All these things we can sweep under the rug now and go on shouting, dear one. But they're going to become real, real one of these days. And I'm telling you that tonight. Then we're going to judge them right because we're standing before a righteous judge. Revelation 22.10. He said unto me, Seal not the saying of the prophecy of this book. The time is at hand. He what? He that is unjust my God help us here. There won't be no Lord have mercy. There won't be no Lord sanctify me. Lord take away this mean spirit. Lord take away this gossiping spirit. Lord take away this gluttonous spirit. Amen. He said when I split the clouds, if you're unjust, you will be like that for eternity. However you are, there'll be no reckoning. There'll be no debating. There'll be no discussing. If there's unjust, let him be unjust still. And when you say steal, that's, that's a very emphatic steal. That's a very consequential steal. Let him be that steal. That's it. It's all over, children. My God, that's why I'm laboring with everything I have in my body. Sometimes I say, Lord, I've worked so hard for so long. Maybe I could retire and do something lesser, less strenuous. But when I sense the enormous responsibility that rests upon me, I have to strike out with new vigor and abandon whatever any earth request that I might have had. Amen. This is a tremendous thing we're dealing with. God help us to know it and to see it and to understand. One more scripture, Jude 24. Now unto him that is able. My God, he's able. He's able tonight. That's why we should seek it. He's able. 
We're not dealing with the God. The Bible says things that are impossible with man is possible with God. God is able. That's why you're going to be responsible because we got an able God who can fix you up if you allow him. Now to him that's able. I'm so glad he's able. I'm so glad that we're going to close it out like this. He's able. I know it blights your mind. Wait a minute, when the, when the doctrine of, of sanctification and perfection is preached, because we, our minds have been so warped with, with a half gospel. But things that are impossible with man is possible with God. No, we can't do it by ourselves. We can't discipline ourselves into perfection. We understand that. We can't read ourselves or pray ourselves into it. But now unto him that's able. Now unto him that's able. To do what? To keep you from falling, not only to keep you from falling, keep you from going back into immorality and all the, and debauchery. He's able to keep you from falling back into that. But not only that, come on with it. Thank God he can prevent you without fault. You know the, you know the definition for that word? Not without sin, but without fault. He's able to do it. But who's willing to submit themselves to that extent? Who's willing to humble themselves and make that kind of admission that I need that? Who's willing to humble themselves? Who have bewitched their mind with erroneous doctrine and thoughts and ideas? Well, the pride that goes along with these things. A lot of people would be lost because of their pride, because of their failure to admit their plight. And if you don't admit it, there's no help for you. There'll be zero tolerance in the judgment, but there is toleration now. But now here, don't take it, don't, don't try to um, uh, uh, make an issue. Don't, don't, don't play with it. Don't, don't, don't presume upon it. Don't presume on God's mercy here because God is tolerating. Now, some of our toleration might be over. And in most instances, it's almost over. So tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. Speak conscious. Speak reason. The Holy Ghost has already spoken. Shall we stand? I'm not concerned about a lot of pleading and singing and all this kind of thing tonight. You have an option. You have an option tonight. You have an option. If he should come tonight, if Jesus should split the clouds tonight, they want this, this, you'll see a recap of this very service. It will be recapitulated. When the Holy Ghost lifts, I'm finished. I'm not going to try to persuade you beyond the Holy Ghost because I would do it in vain. It would be void. Whatever, whatever persuasion beyond that would be null and void. We used to sing an old song, My Lord, getting us ready for that great day. I don't know if you've ever heard that song or not. I can remember as a boy how that, that would, with a little knowledge that I had, how it would affect me. I could sense getting ready for the judgment was something more than just an ordinary transition. I could sense it so thoroughly. You know, they want, let me tell you something. There are some things we can be wrong about with little consequence. We can correct it, another shot at it, but this is so final. That's why we emphasize it so strongly. This is so final. God, this is so final. See, we're going to be finalized if he turns to me. God, help us here. That's our whole concern. That's our whole concern. And if God make you aware of it, then I feel our mission has been accomplished because then it's up to you from that point. If anyone else senses a need tonight, if there are any question marks about how you would fare in the judgment, if you can be real, realistic in your thinking, then why don't we deal with this tonight, children? You, God has tolerated. He tolerated me, and I'm so glad about it. I mean, I'm glad he didn't take me when I was blunting around. But God help us. I, I can't presume on God's mercy and think that 
uh, but I, I'm just glad he didn't take me then. Can we sing one verse of, of an appropriate song? Just a verse, just a verse of an appropriate song. May God help us tonight. Dear one, I would not want to leave this atmosphere. I wouldn't want to leave this atmosphere. God knows I wouldn't want to leave this atmosphere with blotches in my experience, with blights and blights in my spirit. I wouldn't want that. And dear one, don't you know why you've got to be perfectly submitted? I'm telling you, I mean, not by your own, but not by your own standard. You've got to be perfectly submitted. That's right. Husband, you've got to be perfectly loving, all that it implies. I mean that in every detail. I mean, answering again, all this kind of stuff. I having the last loud word and pressing your point. God help us tonight. What would be an appropriate verse? An appropriate verse? An appropriate verse? You know that song? Behold the bridegroom. Uh, that was in, in a book that I read, uh, Holiness book. There was an old lady, one of the prominent Holiness groups, uh, had been professing salvation for 20 years, and, and she, nobody could please her. She was weak, sick, and anemic, and you couldn't fix her food right, and the bed wasn't right, and, and just full of complaints. And God showed her, somehow, the very character of her spirit. God showed it to her. And when this woman saw herself as she was in actuality, so she caught her in her week, maybe 75 or 80 pounds, her uh, body had deteriorated to that extent. So she caught her to the rails of that bed, and her quest for deliverance, she shook it with such intensity that they thought she would kill herself. She saw that that spirit she had was wrong, impatient and, 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 and uh, fault-finding and, and bitterness and all this kind of, you couldn't do it, you couldn't fix the food right, couldn't do anything right. Complaints. And said, so God delivered that lady that night and they never saw any element of that spirit thereafter. Before she died like that, she'd been a part of a holiness group for about 20 years, so she could hide behind that and did, doubtless. But God showed herself and that that spirit would not be acceptable in the judgment. And that day, she got hold of God with such intensity that that spirit was broken. And they never saw another manifestation of that spirit. Many of us have intermitting good spots. We're good, we're, we're doing a hundred and then we're out of it. All right. We'll sing one more verse, after which, if you are satisfied, we'll leave it with you in the Lord. One more verse. Does anyone that desire help? One of the tactics that the enemy used in a moment like this is that some people say, well, I won't respond. I'll pray when I go to the cottage tonight or wherever. And that conviction will have lifted.
and you forget all about it. Because you forget it doesn't mean that the problem has been solved. See, when God speaks, he is looking for a response. See? Now, your plans might be ever so virtuous, but you can get caught up in the after-service activities and forget all about the conviction that God has put upon you. I've seen it happen. And doubtless have done it in my own lifetime. Sing that course again, please. While the waters trouble. <laughs> 